Hey guys, welcome to Talk of Fame. Today's guest is seven-time Emmy Award-winning TV host, Scott Stanford. On this episode, Scott tells us why Vince McMahon almost killed him for messing with The Rock during a live event, whether A-Rod or Jeter was the bigger narcissist, and what happened when he ran into his childhood celebrity crush at Disneyland while with his wife. This is Scott Stanford. My guest today is a seven-time Emmy Award-winning host and sports anchor who is currently a studio host for WWE. You can also check him out on the hugely popular Suki and Scott show weeknights at 7.30 on Facebook Live. Please welcome to the show the voice himself, Mr. Scott Stanford. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. Well, did you mention Emmy Awards? I mentioned seven of them. Are there more yeah. that I should know about? For those of you who are listening, Scott is caressing to the point of being creepy with one of his Emmy I Awards. I like to. I like to caress. I bought those at the dollar store a few years ago. People like to think they're real. We go with it. All good, my friend. Can you tell if they're real or fake, though, Scott? Really? Uh, well, days? you know, you, you can tell by the weight. For those Wait. of you who are listening, I'm yes, it's a good three pounds or so. I feel anything less or more on the weight scale, I think comes off as phony. It's like Indiana Jones, kind of. You have to, like, if you yeah. were trying to take it, you have to make sure you have the bag. Right. The sand is enough. Is that the best introduction of the best opening scene of any movie of all time or what? <laughs> Indiana Jones? A, yeah, with the ball. The ball, the ball rolling down. <laughs> I would th- I, every time that's on, I'm sitting here with my girlfriend and I'm like, just watch this opening. Like there's never been right. a movie opening. I don't think that's that iconic. Love it. Scotty, <laughs> love you on Suki and Scott. I think you and Suki, Sukanya Krishnan, you guys have been working together. How long have you guys been a duo, actually? Well, we knew each other for a long time. We were at Pix11. I knew her from when I was at NBC and she was at Pix11. We actually met at the Emmy Awards one night. Oh, big um, time, right? We had both won different awards. We were in the elevator together leaving. Suki told me what a big fan of mine she was. Mm. I pretended to know who she was because I never watched Pix11. So I pretended that she was great as well. So we really hit it off. And then I went to work at Pix 11. I was the sports guy. One day they made me her morning co-anchor out of the blue. And we always knew we had great chemistry together. And bing, bang, boom, we hit it off. And her career has gone down the tubes ever since. Yeah. Ever since I made that move, I have brought her down sitting here in my basement. Yeah. So it's only been four or five years with you guys. I feel like you're our generations like Fred and Ginger or Sonny and Cher. The chemistry is unbelievable with you guys. Yes. Yes. Without the dancing and the singing. Well, she was hitting some notes yesterday. I heard I heard the show. You know what? Sometimes you got to cover your ears. You got to cover the ears up. Uh, Well, I have to say. You know, I guessed on the show. I know you guys have been generous uh, having me do some comedy and stuff on your show. Recently, I did 26 impersonations cool. singing Unchained Melody for Valentine's Day, although you keep referring to it as 15 impersonations. I don't know why you're cutting it was 26. me in half. It was 26. But then after that video aired, Suki was like swooning. She was like saying how wow. sexy she thought I was, oh, dude, and I was feeling amazing about it and then you've got to come in and say yeah but i heard he's hung like a raisin (laughs) and i just don't know why you all it's an apricot by the way i don't know why you have to say that you always you got to bring me down in that moment and i just i'm very upset that made me very upset scotty i told you that in confidence Listen, I she was real. She was putting you so high up on a pedestal. Right. I couldn't let you be up on the same pedestal as me. Well, few I had are. to shoot you down. 
because I too, you know, I'm in the, I'm only deflecting because I too am in the raisin category. You, so you're still maintaining that I am also in the raisin category. <laughs> you didn't just say that you were, you're saying I too. <laughs> Listen, the interest of full disclosure, I do not know. I've never seen right. what's going on in that area. Right. I don't now know for sure. You are, uh, few do. WWE, I recently saw a clip of you messing with The Rock. And that's not something you can say about a lot of people that they live to tell about it. He didn't do the proper if you smell la 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 and you called him out for it. Well, what happened there? We were doing the WrestleMania 29 press conference at uh, MetLife Stadium. And it was a big deal. The governor was there, the, the owner of the Jets, the Giants. They were all there because it was MetLife Stadium. Everybody was in the front row. And Rock was doing, you know, Rock, I introduced the Rock because he was going to wrestle John Cena in the main event that year. So those guys were there. I introduced the Rock. He did his speech. He did his thing. And he, they played his music. He started to walk off stage. Mm. I said, whoa, 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 Mr. Rock, Mr. Rockefeller, you know, Mr. Chris Rock, Mr. Dwayne Johnson. I said, listen, man, you can't leave without doing your signature finish. And the crowd was like, ooh. And he it turned around. Heated. And I said, Rock, you got to, if you smell, la, 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 la. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. So he came walking back up. Everybody was laughing. I said, listen, I came all the way from Bergen County, New Jersey, which we were Huge. already in. Huge. To hear you do that, finish. So he came up, he got me back real good. He said, oh, it's interesting. The blah, 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 blah is the part that you want. Right, of course. Which made everybody laugh. And I yes. thought it was great. So he did it. He did the smell what the rock is cooking, walked mm -hmm. off stage. And I went on with my, now what I had found out later on was, is that Vince McMahon, the chairman of WWE, right? he was backstage. And when I started calling the rock back up, Vince wasn't too thrilled with what I was doing because obviously that's not in the script. That wasn't planned. Now, here's what I was told. Had The Rock not gone along with what I was doing, I would have been in big trouble. But The Rock went along with it and had so much fun with it. And the audience loved it. When I got backstage, Vince said to me, hey, great job with The Rock out there. Really? What I had under, but what somebody told me was they were back there as well. Thank the Lord that the rock went along with it, because if he would have gotten mad at me that I did that to him. Yeah, I think I don't know if I'd still be in my 12th year at WWE right now. But first of all, I love how you're close enough with him that at least initially in that story, you were just referring to him as rock. Everyone right. else has to call him the rock. You are. It's like when Frank Sinatra used to tell people, call me Francis, if they were right, close right. with him, you get to drop the the. And just call him Rock. Well, listen, when he's walking off stage, you don't want to say uh, The Rock. The I, I, You got to go Rock. The Rock. 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 I gotta yeah, that's interesting. It's one of those. That's like me, me saying The Will. Uh, the Will. Well, no, because no, I don't call myself The Will. He calls himself <laughs> The Rock. Although the show is called, his new show is called Young Rock. Not Young The Rock. Right. Though I think it should be called Pebble. I feel like that would make more sense. But that was a great moment. He, you kind of put him on the spot, though, because... If The Rock or Rock or Rocky, whatever, if he would have not played along and it's all live and everything and everything is filmed these days, every celebrity kind of has to go along with everything that's presented to them in public. Otherwise, right, they right, like right, a jackass. Right. So right. you really abused your power there. Scotty, <laughs> listen, growing up in New York, for me, you were always the sports guy. You were always my whole life. Like the first time I met you, I was like, I know this guy. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know him. He, I've seen him 
you know, creeping outside my window at night. Adult films, porn yeah, adult films, things like that. So before I ask you about your interactions with some celebrities and different famous people, do you get recognized? Do, do people come up to you? How often of an occurrence is that? I knew. Well, well, yes, obviously, if they watch us from PIX11 or NBC or WWE, I get recognized all the time. And the funny thing is, well, I forget, you know, when I'm out at a mall with my kid or I'm at a carnival or right. a great adventure, wherever, I don't remember what I do for a living. And when people come up to me and they're so excited, hey, you're the guy from, you're the guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. I mean, your life sounds amazing. You go on malls, you go on to carnivals, you go to Six Flags. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, when I'm at Disney, when I'm at Mardi Gras, you know, you have some life, Scotty. Well, when I'm in St. Martin in the islands. Uh, <laughs> no, but the Victoria's Secret photo shoot. Yeah. The most amazing thing is with the masks on, people still recognize you. I don't know if it's my gigundous forehead or my eyebrows. Well, it's got to be your beautiful eyes. I feel it, that. It could be the eyes, but people have recognized me with the mask on. And and which is hear the voice. If they ever heard you talking, your voice. Not hearing the voice. Your voice. Is, voice. It's like I try to do an impersonation of it, but I sound like it's like a bad James Earl Jones <laughs> when I do it. I don't know what it is. It's deep, but like corny TV at the same time. Yeah, you, you sound like to- you- you sound like one of those voices they dub in in a Bruce Lee karate movie. Uh, I will not I'm, hurt you right I'm now. I'm starting to sound like Simba. You deliberately disobeyed me. And what's worse, you put Nala in danger. But I can't do I'm working on a Scott Stanford. I don't know. I sound like Alan Alda when I do a Scott Stanford. It's tough. And Alan Alda brings me to Howard Stern. Every time I hear Howard, <laughs> I feel like that's Alan Alda right there. So wait, so people, I mean, do you get recognized every day? Do you have like big no. time fans? Well, not here in my basement. No, because I really Your wife that. hardly knows who you are. <laughs> my wife doesn't even know me. But wife no, and kids yeah, walk by you, they don't even recognize you. It happens still from time to time. Any crazy fans? Well, you know what? The one thing I noticed, no one who recognizes me is ever a supermodel. They're no. never a bikini model. It's never no. a famous actress. Right. Well, maybe they recognize you, but they just don't want to approach you anyway. Yeah, they could be scared. You know, the supermodel. You know, people like, recognize OJ Simpson all the time. It doesn't mean they're yeah. going up to him. <laughs> A good analogy. You've been around athletes, actors, politicians, obviously uh, sports entertainers, as WWE likes to say. It's got to be nights where you were out at an after award show party or you, you know, someone behind the scenes or a green room, something where a big star did something that you just went, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. This is nuts. Ever, you know, what comes to mind? Uh, you know what? God, I've met so many people, you know, so many celebrities came into the morning show. Right. And the funny part about that, Will, is like, we never knew who was coming in. So all of a sudden, you know, Cheryl Ladd from Charlie's Angels would walk in okay. and, I'd, and I'd look around the camera and I'm like, Sue. Cheryl Lads on the show today. My, I had her poster on my wall when I was 10, for God's sake. <laughs> but when it comes to crazy stories, I've never, you know, been in a hot tub with Charlie Sheen and three penthouse playmates. I remember once we were at a big charity event and Stephen Colbert was there when he was still doing the Colbert Report on right. Comedy Central. And he comes up to me and he says, hello, my fake news colleagues, you know, like because his news was fake. Right. He's, he's like, <laughs> so he almost he felt like a news guy. So well, you were a real news cop. You, you were, were a real news guy. He's but he was trying to, you know, lighten it up a little bit, which, you know, he was a really funny guy to talk to. But you know what? It's not a about who I've met, because I, like I said, all the ad, the Jeters, the A-Rods, the Strayhands, I've seen these guys in the locker rooms and, you know, every, on a daily basis. Right. Uh, Not a lot know, of after, reasons there. After a while, yeah, after a while, it's just another day at the office. 
The one, you know who I never met though, who I really always wanted to meet. Yeah, who's that? Was Howard Stern. Okay, I've been at at Sirius. I was at K Rock doing things when he was there. Always around him. I never got a chance to meet the guy. Well, um, he's not dead. I mean, you have. I have still have an opportunity, but it's just never happened. You can't miss him. He's like six five. My first day on the job at Pix Eleven. Very first day showing up. D. Snyder was in the green room from Twisted right. Sister. Right. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great, man. I'm yeah. going to show up here every day and there's going to be new celebrity. Tony Orlando was in the green room one time. I love I, these names you're throwing out. Our millennials are just hitting Google have, right now. Their thumbs are yeah, just dying right no now. No idea who I'm talking about. Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, listen, I'm out of the millennial category. I consider you a fellow millennial because you're so immature. But the <laughs> who is this the most chill celebrity? Who's someone you've met and you were just like, wow, that person is just really down to earth, regular guy or gal. Well, when you say chill, it takes me to the athletes like Nick Swisher, right? Johnny Damon who was just arrested for DWI, by the way. Yeah, well, he's a little um, too chill. <laughs> he's right. He's he was, too chill. Yeah. Uh, those guys were, were great. You know, real chill guys. When it comes to actors and actresses, I'm going to give you names. The millennials might not know, like a Mary Lou Henner uh, or a John O'Hurley who played, um, you know, Mr. Uh, Peterman, Mr. Peterman, all just great people. Ralph Macchio, I met before they brought back Cobra Kai. There is a name millennials know. Yeah, yeah, at least right. Uh, they we, know Ralph. You backed into that one because he's not really a millennial no name, but now because of Cobra Kai. All right, now they know who he is. Any jerks? Anyone that was just like a not pleasurable experience when you met them, you were like, ah, oh, that sucks. Because I've had that happen. You know what? I go more athletes in that respect. Mm. There are a lot of them that I just, I don't want to say I can't stand because I don't know them personally. Right. But they just look like JOs to me. Yeah. Or they act like, I mean, I've said, again, I've seen a lot of these guys, like everything you see and hear about A-Rod is most likely true. Right. You know, narcissistic guy, mm. all about A-Rod. Even when we would interview him game after game in the post game at lockers, this guy, well, he had a glaze in his eyes where he didn't give a damn who was in front of him. Right. It was just A-Rod all the time. All A-Rod all the time. You know, that sounds like a really bad radio station. Yeah, all right. A-Rod all, all the time. time. <laughs> W-A-R-O-D. Hey, look at that. Right. <laughs> um, you know what? Everybody always loved Jeter. Mm-hmm. To me, he was always a guy who gave you nothing. Mm. Generic, cliche talk after every game. You know, I mean, nice guy in most respects, but I just right. feel like, you know, when you're coming in as a media person, they look down on media people. Right. If you're of equal value to them, if you're a big celebrity, if you're a wealthy as wealthy as they are, they'll treat you in the same respect. But mm. I just think athletes look, they have that little look down upon the media when they come into a room. Which is, you know, you guys are obviously they're the ones making it happen, but you guys are the one trying to grow the game. And that all ends up being money that they're going to pocket if the more right. people and are their brand. It. That's interesting, interesting you say with Jeter. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I mean, I wrote my senior thesis in college on the sociological relationship between the Yankees and America. I mean, I'm like third generation. It's and, no wonder you're not a neurological surgeon right now. You know, I got an A. <laughs> but listen, Jeter watching him for 20 years, every single game, every post game, it's a fine line because I would see him and you put yourself in his shoes, right? Anything you say is going to be blown up. Anything you say, people are going to look for a reason to miss right, right. in some way or make it controversial. And I always wondered, he always walked that line. In my opinion, I'm like, 
the things he says are boring. They're generic. They're not super insightful. Does that mean that he's just being in a mature way guarded for the sake of his image and for the team and not being too inflammatory? Or is it more of an ego thing where he's just like, I'm not going to give you anything. And so it's interesting with Jeter. I think there are people who think he came across as just a bit cold and impersonal, but you wonder when you're that guy, if you sort of have to be that way. I mean, I guess there's people on the other end of the spectrum, like, you know, like a shack or or someone who will just come out and do and say anything and their image is just fine. But do you remember when A-Rod was getting booed? And everybody was calling on Jeter to step up and tell the crowd to stop booing. Right, right. And at that point, I'm a Yankee fan. I was a little younger and I was like, he really should. He should. He said to the crowd, leave A-Rod alone. He's a Yankee. Stop booing him. People would listen to him. And he just came out and said, look, it's not my job to tell the fans what to do. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like, he's not going to stick his neck out for A-Rod. But I, again, I'm not him. I, I guess I understand it. Yeah, and, you know, um, it's funny because when we used to go after every game, the, the media would stand by Jeter's lock. Got to get Jeter for the news. You got to get you. I took the different approach. I'd walk in with my camera guy. Mm. Hey, listen, we're going to grab three players. The minute they're available, we're going to get the hell out of here as soon as we can. Beat the traffic back to the stage. And get probably more interesting. And get more interviews. interesting from the Nick Swishers and the Johnny Damons. Who, right. Listen, they don't have to say anything per se. Right. As long as they give it to you with a little personality. Right. They used to stand by A-Rod's locker for half an hour waiting to get A-Rod for the almighty to speak. And you'd look into the trainer's room and he'd be sitting, putting his lip balm on, <laughs> getting his, you know, getting dressed, taking their time. Like they could care less that you have a job to do. Right. And I'm just, I'm trying to entertain my audience. Someone who's going to give it to you with a little personality. That was your pickup line in college. You'd say, hey, ladies, listen, it might not be Jeter. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm someone who's going to give it to you with a little personality. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and it worked out just fine for you. You might not be getting the best looking dude in the world, but I'll gonna... stop it. Oh, stop it. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the first famous person you met just as a kid? I mean, someone that you saw that you were like, oh my God, this is crazy. You know what? It would have to probably like when my dad used to take us to Shea Stadium, I got mm-hmm. Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden's autograph, you know, over the railing. Those guys were huge back in yeah, the day. I would say if it was, you know, those would be the first famous guys I met. Right, right. When I was 10, my parents took me to the Playboy Hotel in Vernon, New Jersey. So I did meet some Playboy bunnies. I don't How know old you were you? I was 10. Wow. Yes, I was very advanced. I had a Greg Brady belt on with a Partridge Family shirt. I looked amazing. Yeah, I'm sure you had something tucked under the belt, too. At, at, uh, I, could, I can give you that picture if you want to throw it up for your viewing audience. Well, maybe we will. As long as you were able to control yourself below the border, <laughs> I don't want to see any pence pitched in these photos here. Who was your first celebrity crush, Scotty? So you know what? My first celebrity crush would be Lonnie Anderson from WKRP in Cincinnati. Baby, if you've ever wondered. All right. So I know a lot about pop culture. Go ahead. And you don't know Lonnie. Don't tell me you don't know Lonnie Anderson. Well, because I'll stop this interview right now. Then I'm going to pull a Jeter. And I'm going to keep my real feelings close to the vest here. (laughs) When you say Lonnie Anderson, I'm thinking of the names like Louie Anderson, Lonnie Donegan. I can't put Lonnie. Is Lonnie Anderson a woman? Well, Lonnie Anderson was the receptionist, Jennifer Marlowe, on KRP in Cincinnati, the sitcom about the radio station. Right, in the, in the 80s. Yes. She was, to me, 
the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. You look up Lonnie Anderson. Well, I was going to say, everybody out there right now, if you're listening, look up Lonnie Anderson. I'm going to do it. Actually, I'll do it right now. Take a Lonnie look. Take a quick look. At, while you're doing that, I will tell you that several years ago in Disneyland out yes. in California, I was waiting online with my kids probably for It's a Small World. Oh, I know Lonnie Anderson. I know Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie okay. Anderson. She was married to Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. She had a bikini poster that was blue Farrah Fawcett's poster out of the water. Really? But the thing is, I saw her walk past me at Disneyland in California. She had to be in her 70s at this point. Right. Late 60s. And I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, my God, there's Lonnie Anderson. I had this woman on my wall. I had at least three Lonnie Anderson posters. Wow. And it was just wild. I was going to run up to her and just say hello, but I she was there and gone. The place where dreams come true. Disney, it's really true. I've been looking for her to try to get her on the Suki and Scott show. I can't find any contacts for Lonnie Anderson. No Lonnie. social media, yeah. nothing. I think it's called being blocked, Scott. Yeah, yeah that's what it's blocked. called. <laughs> um, can I ask you who your current celebrity crush is? I would say every uh, Instagram bikini model. If you every want, one of them want to go that route, right? Uh, but no, on TV, like you're talking about. Uh, on yeah, TV. I mean, is there like I know you had an Aniston thing going, a Pam yeah, Anderson? Jennifer, is there a Sofia Vergara thing going? Listen, Jennifer Aniston, Sofia Vergara, Olivia Wilde, mm. all beautiful women. I'm trying to just think about the shows that I watch right now, like Blacklist or Shit's Creek or yeah, shows like that. The daughter on Schitt's Creek, as goofy as she is, isn't a bad looking lady. You know, I've never seen the show. And my sister, who hardly watches any TV or anything, she says it's the funniest thing. She loves it. And I'm going to have to check it out. We love Catherine O'Hara. You have that sense of humor, bro. You'd love the show. Who's someone that you've met, a celebrity that you were just like, oh, my God, she is just so beautiful. And you just couldn't. I remember being an intern at Conan back in the day and walking past one of the dressing rooms and Kate Beckinsale was getting her makeup done and oh, yeah, she was at- just glowing literally. Yeah. And then a few days later, Coco of Ice Tea and Coco walked by wearing, I don't know what I'm allowed to say these days, but those two experiences were pretty incredible. Anyone that you ever met that just was floating past you? Again, I would probably come back to that Pix 11 morning show where we would right. have a lot of actors and actresses come in. One of my favorites, I don't know if you know who she is, Gloria Rubin is an actress singer who, you know, the funny thing is, yeah, we would have pretty when we, all these actresses would come in. Some some models came in. I can't remember now. Molly Sims came in. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous supermodel Molly Sims and Suki would always work as the wingman. <laughs> she would help you asking, out, right? She's like Scott. I think she's into you right now, and just get that whole conversation going, right? And then I would pick it up with, well, listen, if I wasn't married, would we be having dinner tonight somewhere in New York? You know, hypothetically, right. of course. And we, so Suki would always. <laughs> Suki's the, so great like that. Yeah, she, she's she's great like that. Going, but, oh, you know who's Vanessa Williams. Wow. Okay. Vanessa Williams came in and she was flawless. Yeah. Flawless looking woman. Yeah. Um, she was one of the first celebrities I saw when I moved into Hell's Kitchen. She was right around the block from me. She went because you had her this. Playboy centerfold spread is what you. I did not. Again age uh, but no one you know did you actually used to buy playboy did you did you know have... I, I just take them from my grandfather you take it from your grandfather my grandfather had a huge stack of playboy magazines right and i would you know you wander down as a kid yeah i'm just gonna go downstairs for a little bit and you know you right. start thumbing through it's interesting because the first experience i ever had with a playboy magazine was me and my friend 
in like elementary school and it was his grandfather's stack. Yeah, oh, oh, it's like it grandpa. skips generation. Not no one's father had it, but the grandfathers had it, or the fathers dad. were just better at hiding it, and the grandfathers yeah. just didn't care. They're like, "Look, I'm my old enough now. It's gonna be out in the open. That's it's on the coffee table. What are you gonna do? I'm 90 years old." Right. My dad didn't have Playboys. He had the illegal Spice Channel box. Oh boy, did it come in blue? Remember when you like be scrambled to see it? Have to watch like this in between the snow. yes. Why are we so obsessed with celebrity? What's the deal? Why are we sitting here right now talking about it? You know, do we want to be that? Do we want other people to be that? So to just observe them? What's going on here? I just think you know, it's like celebrity is like royalty in this country. We don't have our kings and queens, so we have our celebrities, and I think that some get overexposed very quickly if someone's hot right now and you just see them all over the place, all over the place, they right. kind of expose themselves out. But I just think it's one of those things that most of America, when you see somebody on your TV screen and then you see them in person, you feel like you know somebody and you feel like they're your friend. It's called a parasocial relationship. It's there a psychological uh, thing. My wife is a soap opera freak. Right. General Hospital, Days of Our Lives. Quick story. Buddy of mine's married to a girl who used to star on All My Children. Okay. We're down in Disney World, one of our trips. They invite us to a ABC soap opera party where everybody's there from GA, Luke Spencer, all the big names, Luke and right. Laura, all the names from the soap operas. And you feel like you know these people because mm -hmm. you watch them every day and you go up to them and they look at you like, oh no, here's a you know, how this person get into this party. Sure. And it's very, that's why when, when anybody ever approaches me, I always try to be the nicest. I'm the nicest guy in the world. I'll treat you like you're my friend. It's a pleasure for me to meet you. Cause like, Hey man, you're telling me how you watch me. I'm appreciate that. Right. And I never want anybody to walk away and from me and say, oh, what a jerk that guy was. Yeah. But it's just weird. I just think celebrity, it's just, you know, the fame, the fortune, everybody thinks they want it until you hear the stories about them actually getting it. And it's not really all that was cracked up to be, especially nowadays. All you have to do is turn on your camera, yeah. an 18 year old in her bedroom and do a silly dance and she gets 10 million followers. Yep. So, you know, being famous today isn't the same as it was 20 years ago. I also think that it's gotta be the worst time in the world to be famous. Like, I feel like back in the day when you were a celebrity, you could murder somebody and nobody would know it. Not even would the media not cover it. They would try to cover it up because really back in the day, it was in their best interest right. to have you remain a big star. Yes. Nowadays, you're walking down the street drinking a cup of coffee and they find out the CEO of that company went to high school with somebody who used a slur back in 1986. All of a sudden, you're called a bigot for drinking the cup of coffee. Like, you can't do anything. I feel like celebrity peaked like in the late 80s or something yeah. where... I used to want to be famous. It was like a thing. And now I look at it. It just seems like more of a hassle than anything else. Yeah. It's just, you know, back in the day, listen, you hear stories about Babe Ruth. Right. Right. And Joe DiMaggio and all these people and Marilyn Monroe. Crashing cars <clears throat> and getting I mean, drunk. Half the stuff, you know, you only hear the stuff you hear. If those people were Mickey Mantle was, you know, drinking and womanizing yep. and hanging out at the clubs, you know, if that was today. Mickey Mantle, we'd, there'd be shots of Mickey with women and like Charlie Sheen type of stuff. Well, that's why people talk about Jeter in such high esteem is because he did the New York thing as the captain of the Yankees for two decades. Right. 
he pretty much went through it unscathed, which is yeah, pretty incredible. That, the guy dated numbers two through nine on Maxim's Hot 100 list. He didn't get number one? No, no. I think number one was at that time. It was Lonnie Anderson. No, no. <laughs> she would have been number <laughs> one in, in the 83 edition of... Uh... It was Lonnie Anderson. Which wrestler are you is the coolest guy? If you could have a drink with a wrestler, you just know it's a cool uh, guy. Who is you, it? You know, I would... Wrestlers are like hockey stars. There's not yeah. one wrestler who you would say is an a-hole. Right. I mean, they're actors. Listen, they're actors when it comes But they're to- also gritty kind of blue-collar mentality. They're not thinking they're above anybody. The guys in the WWE appreciate everybody who works for WWE, mm. from, the, from the executive producer down to the janitor to the guys who set up the ring. The WWE superstars know that that's what makes this whole thing tick. Yeah. From the girls and the guys, they're really from John Cena to anybody down the line. The Rock was always, you know, always just a great guy. And some of these WWE stars are driving around in rock star buses. Sure. Know what I mean? What just happened with there's some beef going on right now? Oh, with uh, Randy Orton. Well, everybody now, Soldier Boy. Yeah, I saw this. Is this real? This is real. Anytime somebody outside of WWE uses the F word, uses the F word, which is fake, fake. They get dog pile on the rabbit. Go ahead, fill us in real quick here. Soldier Boy sent out a tweet because Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny is part of WWE now. He's the 24-7 champ. Which is my favorite belt, by the way. Yes, 24-7 champ. You can beat anyone's ass either. at any moment. Take the belt. You could be at a wedding. You right, can as long be, as you have a referee for the one, two, three count. The referee. You could be getting dental work done, and you can take the person's belt. You, Scotty, could be the WWE 24-7 right, right. champion. Peter Rosenberg from uh, the Michael K Show is the Correct. 24-7 champ. Soldier Boy took offense to Bad Bunny being involved with WWE, so he sent out a tweet. Something about rap now being as fake as WWE. Right. So once you do that, every WWE superstar is going to pound on you. And, of and course. Randy Orton, he was the first guy. And they just, you know, you want to see how fake it is? Come hang out with us one day and we'll show you. Right. Now, listen, it's not fake. It's sports entertainment predetermined. Right. And what I always try to explain to people you could say it's sports entertainment, but it's really just like any other sitcom slash drama on television. It is. There's new episodes every week. You know you're going to be entertained. When I watch Blacklist or Shit's Creek, some weeks are great, some aren't. And that's the way people need to treat WWE instead of treating it as who's going to win the title, how this guy, how this happened. Because at the end of the day, whatever happens, comes out of Vince McMahon's head. Is he that involved in the yes, writing yes. and the creating? He's, really? Well, he is. He's got a creative team. Right. Everything's got to go through him. What he doesn't like, he changes, starts from scratch. And there's a lot of times on, you know, Raw and SmackDown that they're changing the script while the show's going on for later episodes and you right. know, later segments in the show. I was lucky enough to grow up, I think, in the best era for when the plot lines really started becoming a thing with Stone right, Cold right, right. versus Vince McMahon or you oh, had that a- was, yeah. You know, Papa Shango lighting guys on fire with the spirits and things, and Yoko Zuna like all man these... eating worms. Oh man, you had the Undertaker with all his coffins and stuff. I grew up in that era when the plot lines were just like it became a soap opera with fighting. You know what I mean? And these Absolutely. guys are, whether it's predetermined or not, they're Absolutely. huge dudes and ladies. They're ripped. They're great athletes. They're putting their bodies on the line. There's real injuries. I mean, yep. this is. 
it's like saying, you know, Cirque du Soleil or Stuntman or something. It's fake. Right, because right. It's That's what Randy Orton, I think, wrote back to Soldier Boy. He's like, hey, do you write this stuff about stuntmen and movies? Because right. we're pretty much the same thing. Right. Scotty, always a pleasure talking to you. Well, Thanks just, for making listen, time for us. I just sat with you for this long 50-minute thing. Could okay, what is this? Me, I know where this is going. Could you just give me one, please? Louis? No. One what? Give me one impersonation. On. One impersonation. Do you care who it is? No, not. That's really. why I asked you if you wanted Louis Armstrong or not. Oh no, not Louis. Not Louis. I wanted. I want walking. Walking. Yeah. You know, Scott Stanford is a, a good guy, but hung like a raisin. <laughs> a California raisin, my. A California. No, nah, man, you're a plantain in my book, buddy. Listen, Scott, I appreciate you stopping by. Some really great stories. You got to check out Scott. Uh, social media is it just Scott Stanford, pretty much. Scott Stanford, Scott one, Stanford one, I believe. Right, because you are the one and only. The one, really, all Scott the Stanford. other numbers were taken. There's like 39 <laughs> Scott Stanfords. You got the one. Jeter got two through nine. You got one. <laughs> got one. You know what's funny about these things about Vanessa Williams, how beautiful she is, by the way? Conan used to do like a celebrity lookalike segment, and he would always say that A-Rod... And Vanessa Williams looked exactly alike facially. Oh, and they put no. up a side by side and it's actually pretty good. Really? Oh, <laughs> no. I may have to reassess. It's actually pretty good. Scotty, thanks so much for stopping by, man. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, buddy. This could be the next hottest show on digital media, my friend. Well, I appreciate that coming from you. That means a lot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Scott Stanford. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. He's such a great guy. I love Scott. He's so funny, so quick-witted. He always says exactly what he's thinking. Thanks to Scott Stanford for stopping by. Now we are going to get to some of your stories, some tales from the fans. As I've told you, this pod is not just about the celebrities themselves. It's about you and your interactions with them. Whether you've ever met your childhood crush, your sports icon, your favorite celebrity, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on social media. The stories are already pouring in. Here's one that came to us on Facebook. This is from Mike Cook. Mike says, we were standing in line at the Coffee Bean in Beverly Hills when a mob of paparazzi showed up behind us as we were walking in. My cousin walks up to this blonde bombshell and starts talking out loud. Hey, Paris, will you take a picture with my cousin? Like he's known her for years. This Paris person, gee, I wonder who it could be, uh, lowers her glasses ever so slightly, looks me up and down and says, sure. I had no idea who she was. I was like, sure, what? I guess I passed your eye exam. I put my arm around her waist and smiled. I had no idea who she was at the time. LOL, thanks, Paris Hilton. So that's a pretty funny story. Although you're online at the coffee shop and there's paparazzi around, you had to know something was up. Thanks to Mike Cook for that one. It's also funny that his cousin didn't want to get a picture with Paris Hilton, but his cousin asked Paris to take a picture with his cousin. So it's like, I don't know if he was embarrassed or he was trying to embarrass his cousin or whatever it is, but that's a pretty interesting story. That's the kind of stuff that happens all the time in New York and LA. Honestly, you're always around celebrities, but that story kind of is an indicator of like the difference between New York and LA, right? In LA, it's such a huge hoopla around celebrities, right? The paparazzi follows them from the gate of their house or the gate of their development. You know, they're driving their fancy car. Everybody knows when they show up to a place who it is. Paparazzi's waiting for them. They're, they know their favorite restaurant, their favorite store. Or a lot of times these celebrities will tip off the paparazzi and the media to let them know where they're going to be so that there's a whole big event when the person shows up. In New York, it's not like that at all. You know, in New York, there's just as many, if not more, celebrities walking the streets in New York, but you just don't notice them 
because it's so busy. It's so crowded. Everybody's got their head in their phone. They're rushing to get to a meeting. They're late for their train. Nobody has really has time to make a huge deal about it. Right. So, you know, you're always bumping shoulders with celebrities in New York. I was living in Midtown and just on my block alone, the people you run into just at your local store on the street, whatever it is, I've seen Mark, Wal- uh, excuse me, Donnie Wahlberg, Louis Black at the deli in the line in front of me. My hardware store I was at one time, I saw John Totoro was there. I bumped shoulders with Jesse Eisenberg, Harvey Firestein, Tracy Morgan, just walking around and people just kind of, you know, hey, look, it's Robert De Niro. Hey, oh, it's a uh, Tom Hanks. And by the way, I, I'm from New York, so I can do this stereotypical, hey, oh, but then they kind of move on with their day, which I think is why a lot of celebrities like living in New York. You know, you put a hat on, you walk around, nobody notices you, or if they do, it's kind of like, you know, they don't have time to make a big deal about it. But that's a cool story. Look forward to hearing from you guys with even more stories. We want to hear from you. Hit us up at talkoffamepodcast.com. Also on social media, you can hit me up personally at Will Presti. We're also going to create Talk of Fame handles in the coming weeks. And the podcast in general, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts or at talkoffamepodcast.com. We hope you're having as much fun as we are. We've got a lot of amazing guests with a lot of really cool stories to tell. So we hope to see you again next week.